Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. It might do us good just to kind of do a little bit of a walkthrough or see what we've seen so far in this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us how to be happy first. In uh, the first part, what we know as the Beatitudes, He says, Blessed are the poor, blessed are the uh, poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus was turning on his head, on its head, those things that we think we need to be happy. Because we think we need to have plenty of food, plenty of money, all those things to be happy. And Jesus says, Blessed are the poor. And then Jesus told us we are the salt and the light of the world, and how we should make our light shine, do our works before others, so that they may see our good works and give glory to God who is in heaven. And then Jesus told us about how He came to fulfill the law and not to um, abolish it. Uh, he, He did not come to get rid of the Old Testament. He came as the thing that the Old Testament was all pointing to. And then He gives us almost a sermon on the Ten Commandments. And He tells us how all of us have broken them. You think you've done a good job because you've never killed anybody? Well, have you ever been angry with your brother? Called him a fool? You think you've done a good job because you maybe you've never filled, uh, uh, committed adultery physically? Have you ever lusted? Jesus cuts our legs out from under us. And, how, and when we think we're doing a good job because of the things we're avoiding, and yet Jesus shows us that, that at the heart it's, uh, it's more. Then uh, we came to the end of chapter 5, and he tells us we're to love our enemies. Not just to love our neighbor, those that would be easy, those that anybody would love, but he tells us to love our enemies. And finally, in chapter 6, we've been seeing over the last few weeks, Jesus looks at our heart motivations. You know, Chapter 5, it had a lot to do with the bad things that we should avoid. And if you think you're avoiding it, Jesus tells us, think again. And we saw two weeks ago how, how Jesus talks about things like prayer and giving to the poor and fasting. And He says, you think you're doing these good things? Think again. <laughs> because uh, He sees right through it when we do it with wrong motives. When we're doing those good deeds before men so that they might see our good works, but they glorify us instead of glorifying God. He points out our heart motives and He cuts our legs up from under us so that we have nowhere to hide from Jesus. Last week we looked at uh, how Jesus tells us to store up our treasures in heaven. He began that with... um, Well, that's connected to what comes before it. We are to lay up treasures on heaven and not on earth. And Jesus then comes this week and He tells us not to be anxious, not to worry. Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? That's a hard one. 
We think we can obey the law. We think we can, you know, keep from killing somebody. We think maybe we can, we can pray in our secret closet. We can, we can fast and not tell anybody about it. We can do those things, but can we keep from worrying? We live in an anxious age, don't we? Uh, there are so many people who suffer with anxiety disorders. I had a list of statistics. I read those off this morning. I'm not going to read them off again tonight. Um, part of it is I, I forgot it. <laughs> but uh, I think there was something like 15 million people in the United States. Uh, 6.8% of the population, according to the, the uh, statistics I looked at, that have a social anxiety disorder. Um, in uh, 2002, there was $5 billion spent on the top two um, anti-anxiety medicines, Paxil and Zoloft. Um, and all that to say, I'm, I'm not saying that Jesus is necessarily anti-medication. Um, I'm going to admit up front, I take medication. Uh, I have um, some anxiety and some depression that I deal with, and that helps me. Um, but the thing is, medication doesn't make your problems go away. They may help you think a little bit clearer to be able to deal with those things, be able to focus on what God is teaching us, but medication, a pill, will never take our problems away. It'll never take our anxiety away, truly. The cure for anxiety is trusting in Jesus. It's trusting in, in His finished work for us. It's trusting in the fatherly care that God gives us. Let's, uh, let's read from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for um, Your grace. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, speak to us tonight. Lord, our greatest need as we come to gather tonight together, Lord, is for You to speak to us. 
Many of us have come anxious. Many of us have come worried about this or that. Lord, speak peace to our hearts. May your word calm us. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, I confess my anxiousness, my sin of anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to turn away from that. Lord, to turn to trusting in you. Lord, help me to be bold as I speak forth your word tonight. We need your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has the right, he has the authority to command our emotions. That's hard for us to to think about. We think, I just feel this way. This is just the way I was made, the way I was wired. I may have trouble with anxiety, with with feeling nervous a lot, but but that's just the way God made me. I, I can't really change. Is the way many of us think. But Jesus has the right to command our emotions. Think of all the things that that God commands of our emotions. He commands us to love Him with all of our heart, our mind, our strength. He commands us to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He commands us to love our enemies. He commands us Not to fear. And he commands us here, do not be anxious. Yes, Jesus has the right to command our emotions. We don't like to think of anxiety as a sin. But it's kind of a doorway into several other sins, isn't it? We become anxious, and so that might lead us to lie. We we become anxious and that might lead us to do something else. We become anxious, we steal. We take something. We we don't report something correctly because we're anxious. Jesus commands our emotions. He tells us not to worry. What does He tell us not to worry about? Do not worry about your life. That's interesting. Do not worry about your life. We spend, and I I tend to, as I think about this thing, mostly about the things that he then unpacks about about the food and the drink and the clothing that you wear. But on top of that all, he, he says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life, what you will... Eat what you will drink, what you will, or the body. Do not drink. Do not worry about your body or what you will put on. For the life, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. You know, the first reason Jesus tells us not to worry about food and drink and clothing is there are bigger things to be worried about. 
Not that he's telling us to worry. There are more important things than just food and clothing and drink. Is not, the li- is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus tells us there are bigger things. There are eternal things. We, we worry about, about where, maybe where our next meal is going to come from or, or something like that. Where are we going to get... Um, actually, we don't. Really, do we? When we get thirsty, what do we do? We go to the tap and we turn on the water and we have something to drink. Because we're rich. We, we go, uh, if we're, we're hungry, we go to the refrigerator, we go to the pantry, and we get something out. We make ourselves something to eat, usually, most of us, probably. Or if we don't have anything in the pantry or the refrigerator, we go to the restaurant and we get something to eat there. Maybe what Jesus is saying to us seems kind of foreign, doesn't it? Why would we worry about what we would drink or what we would eat? We've got plenty. And so we take things for granted, don't we? It's a common experience. There are probably people in our community, probably people uh, in Panama or in Bond County, who do worry about those things. There's not enough month left, or there's not enough money left at the end of... How does that go? <laughs> Not enough money left at the end of the month. Or too much month left at the end of the money. <laughs> so we do. Some, some do worry about where their food will come from. To all of us. Whether we are following the group that would take God for granted. That, that we have enough that we're, we're satisfied Jesus tells us that we need to recognize where we get our food, where we get our drink. It's from our Father who cares for us. And if you do worry, you don't have to worry. God cares for birds, and He'll care for you. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not the are not you of more value than they? I'm going to skip one verse and come to verse 28 because he's teaching the same thing. Verse 28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and how they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In both of these situations, Jesus is moving from the lesser to the greater. He's saying, if God takes care of birds, birds, if God takes care of birds, if God takes care of flowers, makes them beautiful, dresses them in adornment that's prettier than what Solomon, the richest king in the Old Testament, had to wear, then he can take care of you. That's two reasons. One, there are bigger things to worry about than food or clothes. 
There's eternal things. The second thing is, if God takes care of birds, He'll take care of you. And finally, Jesus says, it's kind of in the middle, in between the birds and the flowers. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Another translation may say, can add a single cubit to his stature. Whichever one you take there. There are some things that are outside of our control. You can't control how tall you are. You can't control the moment of your death. Those things are outside of our control. How can we change anything by worrying about them? And so Jesus tells us, why worry? You can't change it. You can't make yourself taller. You can't add minutes to your life. So why worry? Jesus gives us those three reasons. One, there are bigger things. Life is more than food. The second thing, if God takes care of birds, He's going to take care of us. And the third thing is, why worry? You can't change it. So many of the things that we worry about, we, they're really out of our control anyway. And most of the things we worry about, time passes, it never even happened in the to um, it never even happens. It never comes to pass. Then Jesus turns and he begins to tell us what to do instead. He says, "Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all." But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus tells us, don't seek after those things. Don't seek after clothing and and, uh, food and drink. Don't make those your ultimate aim. Don't make those what you're aiming at. But instead, seek after the kingdom of God. Seek after His righteousness. The Gentiles seek after um, food and drink. It makes, they make it their ultimate game. Pagans. If you don't believe in God, then what else is there, really? If you have a naturalistic way of looking at the world, if all there is is material, like the atheists would, would think, then... That's what you should go after. Get as much food as you can, drink as you can, eat and drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? For the atheist, for one who doesn't know God. But Jesus says that's what the pagans go after. That's what they seek after. For us, we're different. We are to seek after His kingdom and His righteousness. Is Jesus saying... Food and drink don't matter? No. What does he say there? He says in in verse 32, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly Father knows that you need... He's not saying we don't need those things. he, He knows that we need food. He knows that we need drink. He knows that we need clothing. It's just those aren't to be our ultimate aim. 
What we're spending all of our time, all of our resources in trying to pursue after material things, after food and clothing, our own comforts. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Eternal things. Evangelistic relationships. Do we know our neighbors? Do we know the people who live next door to us? Do we care so much about our own comforts, about our own food and drink, that we don't cross the street and meet our neighbors who may be lost? That's seeking the kingdom. Sharing Christ with those who don't know Him. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. You know, Jesus had said earlier, unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, we wouldn't see this kingdom of heaven. And then he, he went throughout this sermon in the Sermon on the Mount telling us how our righteousness doesn't measure up. <laughs> right? He tells us, you think you've never murdered? Have you been angry? Have you called someone a fool? You think you've never committed adultery? Have you lusted? He's cut our legs out from under us so many times. To show we are guilty, guilty, guilty. But He has provided a way into His kingdom. He sent His Son. The one who who was preaching this message came. He fulfilled the Old Testament. He fulfilled what that was pointing toward. And He came to bring His kingdom into our lives, into our hearts. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Our righteousness is not our own. The problem with our righteousness is it's always imperfect. We can never be good enough on our own. That's why we need an alien righteousness. God's righteousness given to us, imputed to us. He was perfect. He lived a sinless life. He never sinned. And yet He took our punishment on the cross. He took our nails. He took that sword in His side. He suffered and He bled for us. And He gives our His righteousness. He gives His righteousness to us. We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Not our own righteousness. That will always be imperfect. We seek His righteousness. We pursue a relationship with Jesus. Not through our own efforts. Again, that would just be works again. It's through trusting. Trusting in one who gave everything for us. We're not saved by our own work. We're saved by what He did. By what He did on the cross for us. And we rest. Jesus says, Therefore, 
Verse 34, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And the more I've thought about this today, the more I, I realize it, it goes hand in glove with the Gospel. The Gospel is all about trusting in someone else's work on our behalf. We don't work, we don't earn our salvation, we trust and we rest. Jesus here is telling, don't worry. Don't worry about food, don't worry about water, don't worry about your clothing. You don't have to spend all your time trying to accumulate stuff and all those things. No, rest. Rest. Don't worry. Your heavenly Father knows you need those things. He will seek first the kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. It fits hand in glove with the gospel. The gospel that tells us we have all sinned. We have all fallen short. But if we look to the one who died for us, we can have rest in him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook.